Welcome to this Sunday's message from the King's Church Mid-Sussex. Morning everyone. We're reading from Philippians chapter 1 and starting at verse 12. Now I want you to know, brethren, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. Because of my chains, most of the brothers in the Lord have been encouraged to speak the word of God more courageously and fearlessly. It is true that some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, but others out of goodwill. The latter do so in love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former preach Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely supposing that they can stir up trouble for me while I am in chains. But what does it matter? The important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached. And because of this, I rejoice. Yes, and I will continue to rejoice, for I know that through your prayers and the help given by the Spirit of Jesus Christ, What has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed, but will have sufficient courage so that now as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. If I am to go on living in the body, this will mean fruitful labor for me. Yet what shall I choose? I do not know. I am torn between the two. I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far. But it is more necessary for you that I remain in the body. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and I will continue with all of you for your progress and joy in the faith, so that through my being with you again, your joy in Christ Jesus will overflow on account of me. Thank you. Thank you, darling. I don't say that to everybody. (laughs) It's great to be back, isn't it? It's great to be uh, together once again. Uh, I don't know about you, but I noticed... uh, Watching the cup final yesterday, it looked like 20,000 people were happy uh, to be back together. A uh, huge crowd, it seemed. 20,000 made a noise like it was 100,000 if you watched the cup final. Uh, if you're keen on football, I remember back in the 80s when a guy uh, had his child, his son, and he called his son by every name of the Liverpool team. And I remember it was in the press that he called his, I think it was Clements, and went on through this. In the 80s, Liverpool were a stunning team. And uh, yeah, so every name of the, of the 11 that played, his son was named uh, by that, uh, that name. And uh, I, I think maybe he's a bit focused, don't you? Uh, I wonder what he was living for. I remember when we had a, a, a student living with us, and uh, he got engaged. And his fiancée started putting stuff on Facebook about what, how much he was looking forward to sharing his life. I mean, it just got more and more superlative. I was like, wow. I mean, Steve's a nice guy, but man alive, she's looking for something this guy will never, ever be able to fulfill. 
Uh, you know, for me to live as, ah, Steve. I mean, uh, I wonder what you would say for you to live as. Liverpool football? Somebody? What is it? What, what for you? What would you say it is? For you to live as... We well, might say it's lots of things. You know, I live for lots of things. Maybe it's, it's, it's better to focus it by saying, what if that was taken from you? Would you say, I don't think it's worth living anymore. I'm not sure I want to live if I didn't have that. Kind of reversing it gives it a bit of teeth, doesn't it? I mean, last week we finished our song by all singing, for me to live is Christ. Um, yeah, maybe. It's quite a statement. It's a statement that Paul made. So I think it's interesting. How did a guy get there? How did a guy get to the fact where he said, for me to live is Christ? It's such an amazing statement. I remember once I was in the church in Brighton, we were singing this song, You're All I Need. And I just went up to the platform and said, you realize it just takes a bit of faith to sing this song if you're really listening to what you're saying. The guy who actually said it, the Apostle Paul, it's interesting. Let's see how he got there. He got there. Because he got, listen, he got to something that he could say, for me to live is this, Christ, and to die would be even better. So he's got hold of something that is really colossal because you, you take everything away and it's better. So he's onto something, isn't he? If he's found something to live for that is so good that when you die, it gets even better, he's onto something. He's found the answer to life. He's found the key to life because for so many of us, but to die was the end, isn't it? Death is inevitably, oh, it's sad, it's tragic, it's the end, it's over. But he said, no, no, no. For me to live is Christ and to die is even better. So there's something about living for Christ that is absolutely amazing. And he said it honestly. I mean, we could sing it, but mm, it's a nice tune. For me to live is Christ. I know when I first became a Christian, I knew I'd, I knew I'd met Jesus. I, I was witness to him. I was told Jesus is alive. And I thought, oh, I've never heard that before. That's really exciting. He's alive. And, and, I, and I actually received Christ that evening and I knelt in my own home and I asked Christ into my life and I wept. I was surprised. I thought, what am I crying about? And I asked God to forgive all my sin. And I thought, wow, this is real. But I, I still got that diary. I keep old diaries. And uh, it's not even in the diary. I didn't even put, save today, born again today. And I think for me, for several years, to say, for me to live is Christ, no, not really. Not really, come on. I think as years have gone by, that has dramatically changed. But it took time. It took time. So let's see, how did it happen with Paul? I mean, this is the, he's the guy who said it. Paul, let's remind ourselves who he was. He was a very intelligent, very focused intense kind of man and he was a devout Jew and when Jesus was around we don't know if he ever heard Jesus or saw Jesus but Jesus was making these as far as Paul was concerned totally blasphemous statements claiming to be the son of God outrageous things he was saying he was saying before Abraham was I am and so they took up stones to throw at him these Pharisees and Paul was a, a leading Pharisee 
He hated Christ. This outrageous person, blasphemer, claiming to be equal with God. He hated Christ. And he, was, he wasn't just suddenly impulsive. He got permission. If you read in, the, in Acts chapter 9, he got permission from the government to go to a far-off town, Damascus, and drag Christians who were claiming that this crucified man, I mean, it, it had been demonstrated he was a crook and a cheat and a liar because he hung on a cross naked with blood streaming from him. That's the end of the blaspheming liar. He's over, it's finished. Outside the city with the junk. Crucified, finished with him. And now there's some people saying he's alive, he's a saviour. And Paul says, how dare you, how dare you? He's furious with them. And he's got to go and take them, drag them from their homes, men and women, drag them from their homes, take them down to Jerusalem, put them in, in, in prison. I mean, the guy is highly motivated. And on the journey to Damascus, you get what the Bible would say, well, actually what everyone would say, the most famous conversion in church history. On the way to Damascus, this man hated it. It says, breathing out slaughter. That's what it says in the scripture. Breathing out slaughter. The guy is angry. And suddenly, on a hot Mediterranean day, at noontime, I don't know if about you, it would be nice to be in Mediterranean at noon again, wouldn't it? But above that light, there was a light brighter. And suddenly, he's on the ground, He's blind, and, and, and he's, it's what on earth is happening to me. And later on, he, he uses this language. He says, the God who commanded light to shine in the darkness shone into our hearts, giving us the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. He's uses creation language. The God who commanded light, original creation, that God, commanded light to shine into my heart giving me the knowledge of God in the face of who? Jesus Christ who are you? I'm Jesus of Nazareth whom you are persecuting what? what? you're dead no I'm alive and I'm in your face I mean it's staggering it's amazing and he's blinded absolutely blinded has to be led by the hand. He's taken away through this incredible encounter. And then, as only as I was preparing this and looking at this, I hadn't thought about it much before, but it says he was three days, three days in total darkness. He was blind for three days. He didn't eat anything. He didn't drink anything. It was like he was in a tomb for three days. Remind you of anybody? For three days he's cut off from the world. For three days he can't see, doesn't eat. For three days. And this brilliant, I mean he sat at the feet of Gamaliel. He is a brilliant Hebrew scholar. He knows his Bible. He knows his Bible. He's not recognised that Jesus of Nazareth is relevant to the Old Testament, but he knows it all. And for three days, he knows Jesus is alive now. He had this encounter. And so this Jesus was crucified. He hung in shame. What is this all about? I can't take this in. Imagine this man in his blindness 
kind of groping around, what on earth is this all about? And maybe coming back to mind, there's some of these Old Testament passages. He was pierced for our transgressions. By his stripes we're healed. That's back in Isaiah 53. Psalm 22. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? They pierced my hands and my feet. But it's all there in the Old Testament. And this man who knows all this Old Testament, he would know it so well. He's like, wow, is that possible? Could it possibly be? Could it possibly be? And so for three days, it's like he's locked in, alone with God, I believe. God's speaking to him. God's telling him. God's reminding him of scriptures that he knew so well. These Hebrew scholars could quote great passages of scripture. And suddenly, that's what, it's all, that's what the Bible told us about. That's what all these old stories about somebody must die, a lamb must die to take away guilt and shame. It's all there, and suddenly everything, and this brilliant mind, Paul, who becomes a great apostle, Paul, this brilliant mind begins to grapple with all that is being said here, that God has come in his son. And the thing about the Jews was there's only one God. And they, they withstood all the nations, the Greeks, with all their multiplied gods, a god of war and a god of love and a god of this and a god of that, who had battles with one another, trash, nonsense gods. And the Jews said, no, there's one god. That's it was somewhat unique, and Jewish influence was felt in some Jewish uh, Greek cities because, hey, the one god. People thought, yeah, well, maybe they're right. And so one god, how can Jesus say he's god? He's got to grapple with this. And the light's beginning to dawn on him and dawn on him and dawn on him. What we come to know is the Trinity. He's beginning to understand that he's God and he's God. And scriptures that the Old Testament, Jesus sometimes quotes when he's confronting Pharisees. The Lord said to my Lord. He said, That's when he confronted the Pharisees. Challenged them with these thoughts. And eventually he comes out of three days of blindness. And a man called Ananias comes to him. We read about it in Isaiah 9. He's sent by God, who's scared to go to him. God says to him, go to, go to Saul. He's a poor, scary guy. He said, no, go. He's a chosen instrument of mine. You'll find he's praying. A man called Samuel Chadwick said, prayer is a sign of sonship and the proof of being a son. It's the privilege of sonship and the proof of being a son. He's praying. He's with God. And so Ananias obediently goes to him and lays hands on him and his sight comes back. Oh my life, I can see again. And then he lays hands on him and the Holy Spirit falls upon him. And he's full of the Holy Spirit. The love of God is poured out in his heart by the Holy Spirit. This dreadful murderer... This man who was responsible for the death of the first Christian martyr, Stephen, is full of the Spirit of God. He's overwhelmed with God. And so his life, it's almost like the guy died and came alive again. It's like in a tomb for three days and three nights and comes out and says things like this, I was crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. It's not like you know, he stopped being a Jewish leader and became a Christian leader. It's like Jose Mourinho, no longer Man United, is with Chelsea. 
Or Spurs, sorry. No football fans here? Oh, no, don't know. It's not like he just changed teams. It's like the man died. It's like a character, his whole character, everything, everything he was living for is gone. And, and he's, he's beginning to get revelation. I was crucified with Christ. When I saw it, everything I believed in before died. Everything I thought was important died. Everything that, that just possessed me was, was my ambition in life, my longings. It's all gone. I was crucified with Christ. Knowing Jesus has had such a radical impact on my life. It's changed all my values. So later on, he'll write in this letter to the Philippians, for me to live is Christ, to die is gain. His encounter with Jesus is so dramatic that every other value is gone. And then he says this, I'll glory in the cross of Christ. By which what? By, what about Jesus' cross? By which I was crucified to the world and the world was crucified to me. So for Paul, the cross wasn't just a historic event. It wasn't just what happened to Jesus. But now he's seen something about Jesus that is so radical that it has transferred all his values, all his view of life. His worldview is completely transformed. Jesus is the Son of God. He's the Son of God with power through the resurrection from the dead. He's running the universe. And I was against him. So he repents deeply and turns and learns from Ananias not only that he can be full of the Spirit, which is pretty wonderful, but that he is a chosen instrument that God is now giving him purpose to make Jesus known in all the world. He, he learns, I've got a wholly, totally new purpose in living. It's not just that he took a little hobby on board. It's not because you know, he didn't just become a churchgoer. He's got a completely new view of life. Jesus is God. And he's conquered death. He's, one, he's alive from the dead. And all his claims about you can live through death, you come alive again. They're all true. They're all vindicated. Everything he ever said is vindicated because he's alive. And so Paul has to go through this massive change of thinking and, and, and line his life up absolutely differently. And he understood this. It's no longer a religion. It's a person. Jesus said to, this, said to him, for this purpose I have come to you. It's an I and you religion. Maybe you're just looking in a little at the moment, wondering what these churchgoers are about, wonder what Christianity is about. Well, let me just say this. It's an I and you thing. I have appeared to you. This is the most wonderful thing. With songs we sing, we say, I love you, Lord. Not I love the system. I love the building. I love the rules. No, no. I love you. You're faithful. You're so faithful. You don't lie. You're with me in life. That's what you're going to hear from people. The folks sitting around you. They're going to hear. They'll say, no, he did this for me. He did this. You're talking about God? Yeah, it's what it's I know. He's a person. And so many of us can say, the amazing things he has done for me. 
It's not just keeping a load of rules. It's not just having to be at meetings. It's not just being anti-things. It's him and me. It's in the relationship. Paul could say, well, it's for me to live as Christ. It's this person knowing him. As we go on through Philippians, we're going to find, we'll come to another passage, that says, not that I have already attained, I'm pressing on, I want to know him more. Because to know him is everything. And the, the story of Moses, I've just read, I've written this book about Moses, you find even as he's going on, he says, oh, show me more of you. I want to know you better. I don't want to just do stuff, I want to know you better. I thank God for times in my life when, to be honest, for me, some of the toughest times, I got to know him better. For me, when I was a I was very, very weird kind of half-and-half half Christian at the first. And after about five years, I had a, a terrible crash in my life. I, I lost all my friends. I lost everybody, really. I, everything, I lost everything. I didn't much to live for anymore. It was then I began to meet Jesus in a new way. And this began to be real. I, I, I used to find myself going out to my room. My parents were not Christians. And I, I'd find myself saying, Lord, I want to know you. And I'd, wow, I'm beginning to know him. Getting to know him began to be wonderful. It changed everything. It changed all my values. Here we find he's saying to people like Simon Peter, follow me. I am the way. What's the way? I am. What's the truth? I am. What's the life? I am. <laughs> I'm the true vine. You're a branch. Branch lying on the ground can't do anything. I am the true vine. Just, just plug in here. You'll be very fruitful. You'll find life flooding through your life. You'll, you'll bear fruit. I, I'm the true vine. I'm the true vine. You, you can bear all sorts of fruit, but you just need to drink from me. Are you thirsty? Come to me and drink. I'm the bread of life. You hungry? I'm the, Jesus, all the time. It's a great, he, he, he spoke about himself all the time. Paul said, we do not preach ourselves. You couldn't say that about Jesus. He preached himself all the time. I am the bread of life. If you're weary, come to me. I'll give you rest. Wow. Wow. Doesn't our generation want to hear something like that? Come to me. I'll give you rest. What a joy to find, hey, Jesus is enough. Jesus changes things. Jesus changes our values. He's a person who can give me, by his, he gives me the Holy Spirit and pours out his love in my heart by the Holy Spirit. So beloved, if, if you know God, let, let's make a habit of coming to him. You know, do you have to say your prayers? Don't, don't have that attitude, do you have to say your prayers? I need to drink. I need to eat. I need to feast on this bread. I need to drink of this. I need to find time daily just to draw near, drink, sing to him of his love. I was singing this morning. I use a hymn book sometimes. It's an old hymn in the, the Redemption Hymnal. Loved with everlasting love, led by grace this love to know. Spirit breathing from above, thou hast taught me it is so. And it goes on about skies of softer blue, birds, flowers, Everything takes on a new hue. It's like that. So it's a hymn. Not just Paul said it. There's a guy writing a hymn. A man, George, somebody, wrote it years later saying, knowing you, it's everything to me. I'm loved with everlasting love. And it's just, it's just intoxicated him. For me, 
to live is Christ. Are we getting near it? Are we being intoxicated with him? It's like we're kind of thinking about him. There's a super men's prayer yesterday morning with the guys gathered on the Zoom. And one of our teenagers said when he was at school, he had a chance to speak to one of the girls at school about Jesus. Our illustrious meeting leader, Tim here, said, I was painting, doing work, and the paint's running up everywhere. And he said, and the Lord spoke to me. He said, what, why are you painting? And yeah, because, you know, he's kind of around. I, I live for Jesus. But I also paint my room. I don't go into a monastery. You know, I live for Jesus. I'm in a monastery. No, I live a life. I go to school. I paint my, my room. But what I'm doing, Jesus spoke to me. Because for me to live is Christ. He's around us. He's with us. It changes our attitudes, our, our way of seeing life. And then he says this, Paul, he says, look, I'm in prison. He said, circumstances turned out well. He says in verse 12, things worked out well. I thought you were in prison. Yeah, yeah, I am in prison. But it's a great chance to speak to the other prisoners. Huh? Things turned out well for me. But you're in prison. Yeah, but look, I mean, this guy's chained to me, can't get away. Even, even members of the guard, they're getting saved. Because, I mean, they're chained to me. They can't escape me. Isn't it great? But you're in prison. That's great. And also that, some people are preaching Christ out of envy to make it more difficult for me. Oh, that's horrible, Paul. Oh, no, it's great. Because Jesus is being preached. What? But they're doing it out of spite. Yeah, but Jesus is being preached. And of course, I could die. You might die. Oh, but that's even greater because my body will be given over. Absolutely. You see, it's not like Hamlet's soliloquy. Hamlet saying, you know, to be or not to be, that is the question. He knows the story. He knows, he knows his father was killed and his mother's married. The guy responsible for his father's death. I don't know if I want to live. Hamlet, to be or not to be, is not Paul saying, I don't know whether I want to live or die. It's a very different thing. Everything's effective. But they did it out of spite. Yeah. You see, see, beloved, that's how we get changed. That's how Christians get changed. That's why Christians are not moaners. If we, ha if we are still moaners, it's because we haven't seen enough yet it changes our attitudes I wasn't told why isn't I told my name wasn't on the list who cares see why should I care the sort of things that break down society that jealousy at work pressure in the home all these things become because they become so big to us Gary Lineker said on television yesterday that when he was a Liverpool fan at eight years old, last time Leicester, they called Leicester, last time they were in the cup final, they lost. He said he wept all the way home from Wembley to Leicester. I mean, you lose out, don't you? Because you can't win everything. So there's lots of things that can put you down the pan. But if to live is Christ, it changes everything. It really does. You don't get upset about things. You don't say, what about me? It's not important anymore. 
We get changed, beloved, not by keeping the rules. Christians aren't allowed to. That's not the point. There's a new power, a new exciting power that's inside you that changes all your views. So Paul is in prison, and he's the guy who, uh, Jim said on the first session of this, is full of rejoicing. That a whole epistle, rejoice, joy, joy, rejoice, keeps on. Where are you? I'm in prison. What's the deal? Oh, for me to live is Christ. Beloved, it works in the 21st century. It works for us. It changes everything. You say, well, I don't know if that was taken away from me. I don't know if I could live. That's very real, isn't it? The things we care about so passionately, if it was taken from me. But Paul said, no, actually, it's Jesus who actually can satisfy everything. And he's never going to be taken from me. When I'm taken from this world, I get more of him. He's found the answer. He's found the answer. It affects everything. Every value is transformed. And so he can say, well, to die, he doesn't expect to die here, incidentally. He says, no, I think through your prayers and so on, I shall come to you. You'll find in 2 Timothy, there he realizes the end has come. His last letter that he ever wrote. Here in Philippians, he's saying, I don't know if I'm going to survive or not because Christians are being slaughtered. I'm in prison. It may happen. But because of your prayers and so on, I think I'm going to come through this. That's the tone of the letter. But he is in a dangerous place. But to die is gain. To die means I get to see him clearer. To die is the great Christian victory. We get to see him more. We're closer to him. And then all these extraordinary things. It says that when we see him, we shall be like him. Wow. So there's a glorious future, beloved. We're not scared of death. I mean, we don't necessarily look forward to the experience of dying. But beyond it, we just, no, no, no. When I see him, I'll be like him. Even now we're the sons of God, the Bible says. But when he appears, we'll be like him. Man alive. We'll be transformed. It says things like this. When this tent we live in falls down, we have a building from God. What we're doing at the moment, it's like tent life. Some of you remember camping. Oh, I hated it. So vulnerable. That's what this life is like. Suddenly, wow, what happened? Someone pulled up. Ah. Now, when this tent we live in, this vulnerable body, he's going to change this vulnerable body to be like his glorious body, the Bible says. We have a building from God, something substantial. Then it says these wonderful things in 1 Corinthians 15. It says, what is sown is perishable. What is raised is imperishable. It's talking about our future bodies. The Bible is clear about these things. It doesn't talk about coming back as another sort of thing. You know, I've been to India often. Terrible thoughts about oh, reincarnation. You think, oh, come back as a dog next time. Or, you know, there's cattle walking through the streets by the buses and the cow, don't touch it. It's a cow, you don't touch it. You think, oh, what a terrible life. You might come back as a cow. No, 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 we're going to be with him. This is here. Sown in dishonor. I watched my mum get more and more frail. I saw her in the end, had to be in a chair. More and more frail. 
in the end I saw her and her body just lying there sown in dishonor raised in glory raised in glory can you imagine it our dear ones you think boy they're sown in weakness raised in power that's what the Bible says raised in power this frail dear lady she's gone no 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 that's just sown. Now she's raised in power. Yeah, to die is gain. It's going to be better. When the Bible teaches this, even the whole earth is wearing out like a garment. It's wearing out like a garment. The Bible told us this ages before we discovered climate problems and all the rest of it, ozone layers. The Bible says the world will wear out and God will create a new heavens and a new earth and we'll have new bodies to go with it. Hallelujah. Hey, beloved, there's an amazing future for us. Amazing future. We're going to be with Jesus, whom we've known through a veil. We know him in part. We experience his faithfulness as we've been singing. Oh, the stories we could tell of his faithfulness. When we blundered on him, oh God, how kind you've been to us. Can't understand our lives apart from his faithfulness and his kindness extraordinary but we're going to see him I'm going to see him I shall see his face I shall know him no wonder Paul prayed this sort of thing for believers I'm praying he said that's for us Christians I'm praying for you that the eyes of your heart might be opened you might come to know he said I'm praying for you that you might know the length the breadth, the height, the depth. You might know the love of Christ that passes knowledge. It's it's possible for us, dear friends, to, yeah, we know Jesus, but Paul is praying for us that that we might know it more. Eyes of our hearts being opened because we can blunder on. We know Jesus, yeah, I did. Yeah, I know Jesus, I got saved, I know I'm saved. But to live is Christ, come on. And Paul, it's the eyes of our hearts open. So we come to know his love. There's a wonderful old, probably verse of a hymn by a guy called Bonar. God is love. Tis not by effort thou shalt e'er that love return. Tis the consciousness he loves thee. This will cause thy heart to burn. God is love. Tis not by effort thou shalt e'er that love return. Tis the consciousness he loves thee. This will cause thy heart to burn. Take time, beloved. Take time to be in his presence. Let him tell you, I love you. (laughs) You're very precious to me. Give yourself time to hear it in your heart. Give yourself time. Don't say, oh, do I have to pray? Oh, that is such a sad... You don't have to pray. You do need, I need, you need times where he's just pouring his love into you. And you actually know, God loves me, the Son of God loved me, gave himself for me. Man alive, it is so exciting that the Son of God, we looked at uh, on the men's prayer yesterday, we saw a, a video just before we prayed, and there were shots of these galaxies. It was absolutely awesome. 
awesome. I was so moved. These pictures, ah, the skies. This, this, God made it, and he knows me, and I know him. And he loves me. <laughs> crazy, crazy God loves me. Not because I earned it. Paul didn't earn it. Paul was dreadful. He said, I obtained mercy. The more we know, the more we understand, the more our lives will be affected. Paul says in 2 Timothy 4, 7, the time for my departure has come. That's right, 2 Timothy, where he does know the end is there. The time for my departure has come. I've fought the good fight. I've finished the course. I've kept the faith. You think that's the end. No, the next line is, in the future. What you told you? I said you're finished. No, henceforth. I know I'm going to die now. In Philippians, hmm, it's got dodgy. Here, 2 Timothy, I know I'm finished. I've run my course. Henceforth. Ahead of me. Ahead of me. In the future, there's laid up for me a crown of righteousness which will be given to me and to all those who love his appearing. Beloved, God wants us to know this joy that we might be like Jesus in his relationship with the Father when he said, my meat is to do the will of him who sent me. Have you had anything to eat, Jesus? It's okay. My meat is to do his will. I get satisfied just feeling I'm doing what the Father wants me to do. And we get to be like Jesus for me to live is Christ. Let's just pray. Father, thank you that you can rescue us from little things that can excite us or upset us. Little things that can somehow captivate us. Lord, because you've made us flesh to walk on this earth, we can get very earthy sometimes. And Father, thank you for that just like Paul's understanding was invaded, completely light shone in. The light of creation shone into his heart and gave him a whole new perspective, a whole new life. Father, please will you keep on opening the eyes of our hearts. Keep on, Lord, that we might know the love of Christ, the height, the depth, the length, the breadth, to know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge, that, Lord, we might say gladly from our hearts, for me to live, it really is, not just a nice tune, but for me it really is, to live is Christ. With all our various duties, raising kids, painting houses, going to school, having a job, all these things we have to do. But you take away. You cut through the peel, you'll find. Hey, for me to live is Christ. Well, work it into us, we pray, for your great glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this message from the King's Church, Mid-Sussex. To connect with us online, visit tkc.org.uk. We hope you'll join us again soon.